Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 1, Episode 20, titled The Siege of the North, Part 2. The season finale, the second half of one of my favorite episodes of this entire series. My god, there is so much to unpack here. I got like a third of a page of notes, which is big for me. Like, usually I write fairly vague notes because these episodes are short and there's enough, it's fresh enough in my mind that I could just vamp on those notes. I got like a third of the page. Almost half, quite frankly. It's insane. There's a lot to touch upon. (laughs) So, let's talk about Zuko's little blizzard journey. This episode starts off. With Zuko at the center of this, like, snow-ice collapse. The land's just exploding out from under him, basically. And he's just running away in this really intense moment. Then he finds shelter, thank God. And we have a really, really fantastic moment of Zuko saying, I finally have you. And I can't bring you home because of this storm. And he he goes on this whole thing saying there's always something. You wouldn't understand though. You're like my sister. Pay very close attention to these words. She is a firebending prodigy. My father says she was born lucky. He says I was lucky to be born. I don't need luck, though. I don't want it. I've always had to struggle and fight to survive, and that's what's made me strong. It's made me who I am. Not only is this a phenomenal character moment for Zuko, this also uh, provides a little little subtle tease for Season 2. In a way, we'll touch upon more later on in this very episode. Keep that in mind. As this is happening... Katara, Sokka, and Yue are searching for Zuko and Aang, obviously. As that is happening, 
Zhao is telling Iroh his plan to literally kill the moon, which Iroh vetoes immediately, like, no, no, you can't do that. And Zhao's like, oh, yes, I'm aware you fear the spirits. I've heard rumors of your journey into the spirit world. Like, Iroh just has a look of horror on his face as Zhao just describes how he found this underground library, how he went through scrolls, how he found one detailing the moon and the ocean spirits, their mortal forms, their location. And how it basically became his goal to kill the moon. So much, so much happening there. Jesus Christ. More on that later. My God. And then later on, night falls. The waterbenders become more powerful than ever before. And the reason I want to talk about this scene is because Paku is displaying an immense amount of badassery in this moment. He's slicing treads off tanks. He's forming water tornadoes. It's incredible. It's absolutely extraordinary. And Zhao, of course, has that brilliant line right after... We'll be following this map to a very special location. And when we get there, we're going fishing. Ah, that line alone gives me chills. That line alone just cripples me to my core. Good God. But anyway, point of that scene, Paku's a freaking badass. All the waterbenders are badass at night. While all this is happening, Aang still got his journey into the spirit world happening. He goes in, talks to this monkey dude who is not have been who is not having any of it, and is just like, oh, oh, like a little bitch, and he's like, oh, perhaps that light will help you chase it. And Aang chases this light. Of course it fails, because that was never a thing. Roku appears to him then, and tells him that he needs to talk to Ko, the face dealer, in order to find the location of the moon and ocean spirits to get them to help. And he gives him the advice. Show no fear. Show no emotion at all. Otherwise, Ko will steal your face. And what follows is one of the creepiest scenes in this entire show. Aang goes into Ko's cave. As he goes in, you see that faceless monkey, which... And then, 
this conversation with Ko happens. Aang does a very good job, by the way, of showing no emotion in this sequence. He is badass in that regard. And Ko is just so creepy. He's like this giant bug. He keeps changing faces. He's just sort of walking around him, waiting for his opening to steal Aang's face. As... As he's telling him the stuff about the ocean and moon spirits. Ko tells Aang about one of his previous incarnations trying to kill him. And he's like, oh, something about stealing the face of someone you love. And you see this woman's face. And it lingers on that. And then there's a jump scare moment. Ko is a master of jump scares as well. And, like, you can tell he's doing it to try and provoke Aang. But it doesn't work. And then Ko is finally like, okay, I'll tell you. Twee and La. Push and pull. Moon and ocean. They perform a constant dance. Also, by the way, someone is trying to kill them. And Ko's like, you've already met the moon and the ocean. And Aang has this emphatic realization of the koi fish. And Ko, and Ko just, like, runs at him, basically. And by the time, and I love this shot, by the time Ko gets to him, Aang shows no emotion again. Like, I must be going now. We'll meet again, Avatar. And then he just kind of slinks back into the darkness like a real creep. God, this dude is a creep. He is so terrifying. Ko is awesome, and yet he's just also the worst thing ever. God, he's so creepy. He's so freaking creepy. Anyway, uh, I yawned for a second. I don't know why. Got a pretty good sleep last night. Whatever. So Aang leaves the cave and is like, the spirits are in trouble, I have to help them. And then Haybai shows up to bring him back. Nice little giant panda. Aang is riding on the giant panda. Uh, Haybai brings him back to the material world. And after he's gone, that little monkey dude is like, good riddance. And then Haybai just yells in its face. <laughs> it's awesome. I love Haybai. Haybai's great. Haybai, MVP of this episode. And then Aang goes to the material world, realizes his body is not the Oasis anymore. Then he, like, kind of just launches into the blizzardy place and just winds up in his body again. And then you have this little escape attempt with Zuko. Aang sort of squirms out of there after doing his little air breath thing. Zuko's like, oh, you can't get away that easily. Uh, then Katara, Sokka, and Yue show up. Katara has a very... Very brief battle with Zuko. 
It's kind of pathetic, actually. And then... Aang gets untied. They all get on Appa. They're about to leave, and then Aang's like, we can't leave him here. We can't leave Zuko. Zuko needs to come with us. And... This works on so many levels. It shows that Aang is a better man. He is a man of honor. He is a man of compassion. And I say man. Chronologically speaking, he's a boy. But he's matured quite a bit over this season. It shows how much integrity he has. And B, it also is a subtle repaying of Zuko for saving his life in the Blue Spirit. Which we talked about just last week. This is payback in a really beautiful way. And it closes out that Blue Spirit arc in... Such a meaningful, such a delightfully subtle way. I love it. So then they race towards the oasis to save the moon. And Yue tells this story about how she owes the moon spirit her life. And I love this. So when Yue was born, she was... Not even conscious. She was extremely sick. She didn't even cry. Like, she was silent. She was basically comatose on birth. The healers did everything they could, but they couldn't help her. They told her parents she was going to die. So her father pleaded with the ocean and the moon to save her. Then they did a little oasis baptism. Dark hair turned white. Yue opened her eyes, began to cry. And they knew she would live. It is such a beautiful story. It is incredibly compelling. It adds so much to the character of UA. And, uh, man. Kana sets up some really... <laughs> oh my god, I'm crying already. Kana sets up some really... Some really... Big stuff. Which brings me... To Zhao... Coming to the Oasis... Kill the moon. I wasn't joking, by the way. I was like an inch away from tears just now. And I'm sure that's not the last time I will do that this episode. So Zhao, and by the way, my mother, who listens to these episodes, so, uh, hey mom, get ready for me to describe this in very graphic detail. 
my mom was like traumatized <laughs> by this whole sequence. The first time she watched it when I was a kid. Like, apparently she just cannot sit through this part. She hates it. She just hates it so much. Which makes it a little less painful for me. So Zhao bags up the moon spirit, the moon fish. And I love the imagery of the moon slowly turning red. Like, it's just red. And everything's drenched in red as the moon fills up with that color. And it's like creeping over the Northern Water Tribe. Oh, God. It's so good. My God, I love... (laughs) I love what they do with color. In this whole third act. But it's just, it's like all blood. And I love the little compilation of all the waterbenders instantly losing their bending. Yue, being attached to the moon, gets lightheaded. Aang, being spiritual, gets lightheaded. It's great. Oh my god. Everything in regards to this... To, The moon being captured and everything turning red. It is so stunning and the imagery is so great. It is phenomenal. So then Zhao's sort of bragging like, They will call me Zhao the Conqueror. Zhao the Moonslayer. Zhao the Invincible. And then Momo just jumps on his head (laughs) and yanks on his face. It's great. Oh my god, such great levity. And then, the standoff of Zhao almost killing the moon and Aang just pleading with him. He's not even ready to fight anymore. He's just pleading with Zhao. Please do not do this. This is insane. This is the worst thing you can ever do. Destroying the moon won't hurt just the water tribe. It'll hurt Everyone, including you. There is a delicate balance to this thing. Without the moon, everything will turn into chaos. The entire world will be, like, plunged into this turmoil if the moon dies. And then Iroh shows up like a pro, and... In a fit of uncharacteristic rage after Zhao calls him a traitor. He's like, I'm no traitor. The Fire Nation needs the moon too. We all depend on the balance. And Zhao like just lifts his fist up to kill the moon. And he's like, whatever you do to that spirit, I will unleash on you. Tenfold! Let it go now! And the close-up on his face, like, just seething with rage at the very idea that Zhao would kill the moon spirit. Oh my god. Like, this is a pins and needles sequence. This is white knuckle tension. And Zhao, I love this moment. 
Zhao hesitates. He, for a moment, embraces sanity. And is like, what am I doing? This is absurd. And he even goes as far as to let the fish go. And he says none of this. None of this is vocalized. It's just through his eyes. Like, it's all emotive. All visual storytelling. And then Zhao just gets into this rage. Like, what am I doing letting this fish go? I am letting my victory go down the drain. Screw you, fish! And then... The moon dies. And then, like, in this 30-second period, everything goes from red to the typical color palette of a normal Avatar episode. And then when the moon dies, it's just gray everything's gray it is dull it is muted it is so incredibly dreary and then Iroh just goes nuts just the fire bending the hell out of Zhao's little posse just burning them all. Like, screw you. <laughs> Zhao, like, Zhao is just kind of cowering away. And you see his face, like, light up orange as Iroh does his fire blasts. And he just sneaks away. Meanwhile, somehow, throughout all of this, Zuko g- cut out of his ropes and left. Without anyone noticing. And then, Aang, Katara, Sokka, Yue... Iroh, who, without anyone saying anything, they have accepted as being on their side, at least in this instance. They're just gathering around this fish, and they're like, it's too late. It's dead. It's over. Which, by the way, before we go any further, can we just take a second to appreciate how dark this finale got? Like, a lesser show would have had Zhao let the fish go and just accept his fate. It wouldn't have even... It wouldn't have even... thought... to have the fish bagged up, let alone killed. But this is a show that is so freaking brilliant. And even though it is technically, quote-unquote kids programming it is not afraid to go dark it is not afraid to get its hands dirty it is not afraid to go the extra mile to make it all seem organic to make it all emotional to make it all intense to make it all so freaking incredible to witness so stunning and phenomenal. Oh my god. 
I love how ballsy this show gets, how ambitious it gets, and how willing it is to go as dark as freaking possible. And UA is just kind of in tears, like, it's over. And then Aang goes into his little avatar state and says, No, it is not over. I should do an echo on that. I'll put an echo on that. 2330, that's the time code it's at. At 2330, echo. Then he just walks in to the koi fish pond. This entire third act, by the way, is brilliant. I'm going to jump around a lot. And he's just staring at the ocean spirit for a while. And then he just, just without even moving a muscle, just recedes into the water. The water just pulls him under. And then you get this bright blue light throughout all the water as the water just forms this giant ocean spirit avatar state thing. And it goes on this Godzilla-esque rampage. And by the way, throughout this entire third act, I remember when I was a kid... I was just sitting in stunned silence. And even today, I was furiously writing down notes. For my, uh, from the, for my, uh, initial little note-taking. I, I do two rounds of notes. I do the initial notes as I'm watching, and then I distill that down to my talking points. I was furiously writing notes in this third act, and... Then after it was over, I was like, I gotta watch that again. I didn't pay attention nearly enough to that because I was writing all the notes. So I watched it again and was just in awe of everything. It was like I was a kid again watching this. And this ocean spirit thing, it is so beautiful. It is so hauntingly gorgeous. I love it. And this rampage that goes on is so badass. I love how every one of the Water Tribe members just bows before it like... Oh, you will save us. And the firebenders are just like running away as this thing lays waste to them. Meanwhile, Zhao's running away like a little bitch. Zuko catches up to him and Zhao's like, you're alive? You tried to have me killed! And Zhao's like, of course I did. You're the blue spirit. You freed the avatar. And Zuko's like, you gave me no choice. And they have this brilliant fight that looks so beautiful. The little puffs of orange lighting, lighting up the gray. You see the bright blue water, the bright bright blue ocean spirit sort of making its way towards the Fire Navy ships in the background. It's phenomenal. It's the standoff we've been building up to the entire season. Meanwhile, back at the Oasis, um, okay. Stay strong, stay strong, stay strong. So back at the Oasis, 
Iroh remarks that Yue has been touched by the moon. Some of its life is in her. Don't ask me how he knows this. He's Iroh. He's great. And Yue like, is like, yeah, the, mo- the moon spirit gave me life. Maybe I can give it back. And Sokka and Yue have this heartbreaking final goodbye as Sokka pleads with her. Don't do this. Your father asked me to protect you. Do not do this. I do not want to lose you. And Yue is firm in this. She is like, I need to do this. This has to be done. She gives life back to the moon. Taking her own. And Sokka just has the most gut-wrenching reaction. Screaming no. And in tears saying, she's gone. She's gone. And then the pond lights up. The fish comes back to life. Yue, as a spirit, rises from the pond and says, Goodbye, Sokka. I will always be with you. They kiss. And then Yue's gone. It is a brilliant, brilliant, heartbreaking, emotional, exquisite goodbye. And it establishes, like, it solidifies UA as one of the most important characters. I think, in this entire series. And it solidifies Sokka as a brilliant character with an incredible arc throughout this entire series. In fact, I would go as to say that this first season is more than anything the Sokka season. Because of this scene. This is Sokka's moment. And it... It is the reason. It is the freaking reason that Sokka is so rich. This is a tragedy. He had to go through this horrific, horrific thing to fall in love with this girl and be jerked around in this love triangle so much and then to get close to her and finally lose her in the end. It's brilliant. It's so freaking fantastic. Meanwhile, Aang is still in his Avatar state 
laying waste to the Fire Navy fleet. He is decimating it. And just as he's starting to really F him up, he looks up. He sees the moon. The spirit recedes into the water. The water puts Aang back on the wall. And then it proceeds to engulf Zhao. It literally forms a giant hand, grabs Zhao, and starts pulling him into the water. And this is a perfect, perfect final little nail in the coffin of Zuko and Zhao's rivalry. Zuko, even after everything, goes up to Zhao and says, Take my hand. He is willing to save his life after everything. And Zhao almost takes it. But then he's like, No. I'm not going to do it. He would rather die than let Zuko save his life. He would rather be killed by this spirit than swallow his pride. His pride, his overwhelming ego was in the end his undoing. It proves that there's a good in Zuko. It proves that Zuko and Aang, as different as their paths are, are in some way cut from the same cloth. He is big enough to save the person who just two episodes ago tried to murder him. Brilliant. This entire third act. Brilliant. Everything about it. Is fantastic. Then we get our ending. Everything's good. Everything's calm. Paku is leading a mission. To the South Pole. To rebuild their sister tribe. And Katara's like. Wait what about Aang? And Paku's like, well, he better get used to calling you Master Katara. Sokka talks to Yue's father. Who says that when Yue was born, the spirits gave him a vision of a young woman giving her life to become the moon spirit. He knew this day would come. He knew this would happen. And he is so, as a father, overwhelmingly proud and sad. This is such an understated character, and I love him so much. No one gives enough credit to UA's father. UA's father is awesome. Ang, Katara, Sokka, Momo, Appa, they all gather round Everything's great. Everything's awesome. Meanwhile, Zuko and Iroh are just on this raft, just drifting along. And Iroh's like, I'm surprised you're not trying to capture the Avatar. And Zuko's like, I'm tired. And he just rests. 
He just lays down on the raft and is just like, I've done enough for now. Another day. And then, just as you're thinking, man, it's all going great. Da, 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 da. Iroh is a traitor. And your brother Zuko is a failure. I have a task for you. Azula. We are about to get Azula. Season 2. None of this Zhao nonsense. None of this Zuko being the primary antagonist nonsense. We get Azula. So look forward to that. Oh my god, this episode. This whole two-part episode. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Everything about it is phenomenal. It's so great. And you know what? As great as season one is, season two, I think it's even better. I think season two might be even better than season one. Oh my god. You think this was a roller coaster of emotions? Get ready because. Oh my god. <laughs> this second season. It's gonna take you some places. Not gonna say what those places are, but it's gonna take you there. It's gonna take you there a lot. Get ready. If you like this, Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. On Monday, we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender Season 2, Episode 1. Talk to you then.